like it's that time again. It's an all-new episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks, back with more strange and unusual fun facts, headlines you've never heard of, strange and fascinating news, and things that are so out of pocket that you wonder what dimension I found it in. This week I will be discussing terror within the woods, strange and unusual encounters while in the forest, the woods, the trees. Now there's a difference between the forest and what we call the woods, other than the fact uh, woods is more of a colloquialism, but a forest is covered in tree-like canopy where very little sunlight hits the ground and a lot of moisture, a lot of dampness. Um, you've got your rainforests because of, of the dense, lush foliage. Uh, but the woods, not as covered by an over-tree, over-the-top tree canopy. Uh, a lot of the ground is very dry, uh, easier to walk through, not as treacherous, but still just as frightening. I'll be discussing things that people have encountered while in the woods or the forest, First-hand accounts, eyewitness encounters, and trail cams and what they've caught. But that's all for now. Till after my commercial break, I'll be right back with the first story in this week's episode. Please hold for an important message from one of my sponsors. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. I can remember one of the first investigations that I ever conducted. I did on my own. It was probably 1995, I believe. And someone reached out to me from southeastern Ohio, like right on the tip, bordering Kentucky. I'm sorry, bordering West Virginia, southeast, yeah, bordering West Virginia and Pennsylvania like right there in that heavily, heavily wooded area. And they reached out to me because they, through a mutual friend, knew that I investigated some cattle mutilations that took place in New in, uh, Kentucky the summer before. So they thought, well, this, this is our guy. He might be interested in, in what we might have on our property. So they reached out to me through this mutual friend and said, hey, we think we got either a Bigfoot or maybe a dog man coming out here and messing with their livestock. That's how they talked. Kind of like a really gruff Matthew McConaughey. Not soft and subtle, but very much like this. So I made arrangements, drove to their property. It was the furthest I had ever driven on my own at this point. And upon arrival... Beautiful scenery. I mean, they had a huge lake behind their house, uh, surrounded by rolling hills, very tall trees, thick, thick woods behind their home and around their house, of course. And they're talking to me about setting up surveillance, but they didn't know how to hook it up. So, of course, it was your first generation set from Radio Shack that they had that was like overly pixelated images through the camera to the monitor you know, when it's nighttime, you might get a better view, but if it were daytime shots, you it would look like you're watching ColecoVision or something. So I start setting up the equipment because, thankfully, I'm tech-savvy, and I start positioning the cameras and setting it up to their monitor 
and running tests on everything. And I go back to my hotel where I'm staying and in the town that th- this was taking place. And it was around Middleport, Ohio, I believe it was, if I remember correctly. It was Middleport, um, north of, what the hell's the name of that town? I even spent a weekend there. Uh, conducting an investigation in 2010 but it was in 1995 I was here near Middleport and I set up the equipment and I waited and I came back later in the evening leaving my hotel to go and just survey the area watch listen uh, continue to watch the monitor and it's recording at this time Uh, the guys that owned the property, went to a cabin in the town next to this place to uh, to go hunting for that weekend while I watched the area and recorded everything and s- did surveillance to see if I could see what they claimed to see. So these three figures emerged from the woods. Clearly not Sasquatch. Nowhere near as tall as Sasquatch. Bigger, way bigger than a dog. Uh, clearly, these things look like wolves, but they were not bipedal. They were on all fours, uh, walking around, getting into the chicken coop, snatching a couple of chickens. I didn't intervene. These were three obvious wolves I was not going to fool with, which I found odd because I didn't think wolves were indigenous to this region that I was in. And uh, this is b- before you could Google or uh, use the technology we have today to find out within a matter of seconds uh, what animals are common within that certain region. So I just assumed at that time that wolves were not indigenous to that area. But upon further investigation, it turns out they were overgrown coyotes and they were wreaking havoc on this farm. But there were three of them. How these guys would mistake this for Sasquatch or even Dogman was beyond me. But, you know, I let them talk and I took their eyewitness accounts and their interpretation into account. It was only fair. And after I collected my evidence, I went back to my hotel to overlook the evidence and and write up a review of what I think was going on. Of course, clearly it's just wild dogs or coyotes. And these guys were hoping it was more. They were disappointed with the outcome. And after I presented the evidence to them and showed them the surveillance and what the things were, they were like, oh, well, okay. Okay, I guess we'll just take care of them. I said, okay, well, thank you. They were very stoic at that point. Not much uh, conversation followed after that. Not like they were before where they were greeting me with open arms like, oh, bud, glad you're here. We heard a lot about you. Nice to see you, blah, blah, blah. So I returned to the hotel and the 1130 news comes on. This was a few hours later after I presented all my findings. As I spent the weekend at this hotel and in Middleport, away from the wooded area where these people lived. And the news comes on and there's a woman on the scene at a a farm area that looks a lot like where I've been investigating. And she's talking to the three men, and they claim that they have video evidence of a Bigfoot. 
and that me, my name was used in the news segment, confirmed that it was in fact Bigfoot and that I'm having a team come out to comb the area. That couldn't have been further from the truth. So I immediately called the news station uh, upon seeing this live from the location these people are at and said, look, I'm the guy who did the investigation. I have the surveillance footage, which clearly shows three coyotes. There is no Bigfoot on this property, no footprints, no strange strands of hair that don't match canine or uh, that uh, don't match a bear. There's nothing like that. Um, There's no evidence at all of a Bigfoot or even what they claim to be a werewolf or a dogman. These are clearly coyotes. And the news station sent the same correspondent who was on the field talking to these people to the hotel where I was staying so they themselves could see this video surveillance, which showed the entire property that they were just on and the actual things that were walking around attacking their livestock. And their reaction was basically palm to the face, going, oh my God, we jumped the gun on this. So they immediately retracted the statement um, in a special news report that interrupted Jay Leno or whatever it was at that time. And after I arrived home the next day, uh, my phone was apparently ringing off the hook. And... I got a message on my answering machine from these guys and they were obviously pissed that I did not back up their story. In fact, exposed them as frauds and that they were trying to fake a Bigfoot sighting. And they said, if we ever catch you around here on around our property again or anywhere near Middleport, we'll make sure no one finds you. So needless to say, that was the last time I ever conducted an investigation like that alone or with anyone that gave off lunatic vibes because I ignored the signs in the beginning that was on me because I was so excited about a possible Bigfoot sighting and these dudes just gave off an eerie vibe even though they were inviting and friendly just something didn't seem right if you've ever seen the movie Wrong Turn they were almost like those psycho inbred cannibals but they didn't try to eat me thankfully computer Execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. There are many creepy things that hunters have encountered in the woods. For example, hunters spend a lot of time in the woods. Most of us can move through the outdoors with a sense of confidence built through an intimate familiarity with nature. The fact that we're often toting weapons also helps mitigate the fear factor. Non-hunters usually associate with dark, remote places. That doesn't mean we don't run into some seriously creepy things that sometimes can't be explained. There's a reason so many popular horror films take place in deep, dark forests. Admittedly, the woods can be a freaky place, even for seasoned hunters. And a few people who venture into the backcountry regularly 
haven't come away with at least one experience that made them consider not going back. Weird skeletons, for example. Hunters come across animal carcasses and skeletal remains in the woods all the time. A pile of bones might be worth a passing glance, but isn't unsettling. Just a reminder of the circle of life. Cue the Disney music. But sometimes there's something about the way the bones have been arranged that makes your butt pucker. Like the bones Reddit user MS461 stumbled upon. Bones in the woods aren't necessarily creepy things to stumble upon, except when they are. I crossed over a little ridge in the middle of the woods, at least two miles from the closest road, and I saw what looked like a full skeleton of a cow tied together with twigs and a little bit of twine. Whoever made it had fashioned it to be sitting on a log. Deep woods livestock art is weird enough to make pretty much anyone want to hoof it out of Dodge, but there's more to this creeptastic story. Someone had left a neatly, very neat pile of bones in front of the thing and nothing anywhere else. I saw it and about fainted. Definitely really odd. Considering how far we're off of the road and how thick and steep it was. I ended up getting the folks I was with to check it out just for shits and giggles. Getting your buddies to witness strange bone sculpture idols in the middle of the woods is just plain smart. There's no reason to burden that voodoo curse all on your own. Better to share it. Eh, good job, I guess. Screaming Sasquatch. Hunters hear weird things in the woods all the time. The random screams of bobcats, mountain lions, and foxes can curdle blood even when you know that the source... But when you're, you hear wild whales like the ones captured in many videos by hunters deep in, say, the Ontario woods or in Oregon or Washington State, you can't pinpoint the source. It can be enough to make you want to pack your shit and head away from the hills. In 2013, this person states, my dad and I hunted during the early muzzleloader season in George Washington National Forest near Deerfield, Virginia. It was a cold, rainy trip, and we struggled to keep our primers dry. The woods are understandably barren, and after about three days, we concluded that we were the only humans on the entire east side of Little North Mountain. We hadn't seen a single truck, let alone another hunter. That night, I was jolted awake by the howling scream like nothing I had ever heard before, echoing down the mountain from just above camp. It sounded almost human, but not quite. I had my eyes wide open and glued to the ceiling of my tent. As my mind raced through all the animals, it couldn't possibly be when a second call answered the first. This one closer to the tent, probably less than 300 yards down the washed-out trail that wound its way up the mountain just behind our camp. Yeah, the sound definitely fit the category of creepy things you don't want to hear in the woods. I said, did you hear that? I whispered to my dad, who was stretched out on his cot just across the tent. Yep. That was his one-word answer. The rifles are in the truck, I whispered back. That was the last time those rifles ever spent the night in the cab of the Tacoma. Even during a dank, damp, black powder season. The following morning, we were up well before sunrise, joking about Bigfoot and scarfing down breakfast 
oatmeal before heading out to hunt. Two forest rangers, not game wardens, forest rangers in uniform, pulled up and parked right next to our campsite without uttering a word. They slung rifles over their shoulders and headed up the washed-out trail in the direction of the yells we heard the night before. No idea what they were after, but we figured maybe they needed to tell two Rakus young Sasquatch to keep it down because they were humans. There were humans in the area. After that, we decided to hunt lower down the mountain. Strange lights in the tree. This happens a lot in the woods. From ball lightning to mysterious ghost lights, hunters have reported seeing a strange glow in the woods at night. However, witnessing orbs in the darkness doesn't mean you're seeing something paranormal. It's more likely to be the bobbing headlamp of another hunter or maybe it's aliens. In September, this person says, I was hunting antelope out near Red Desert in Wyoming. A hunter who calls himself Brancher explained, I had just shot my antelope and walked about 150 yards to where he dropped so I could tag and begin field dressing the animal. Brancher was about 40 miles from the main road and hadn't seen a vehicle or even another human during his remote hunt. As I'm walking out to the antelope, I look up and about two miles off the distance, I see this extremely bright light zooming over the landscape and heading my way. I thought it was probably a game warden on a side-by-side -side coming to check my paperwork and all. No big deal. I keep walking out and find the animal. Then look up. The light dives down into the sagebrush and I can no longer see it. It was about half a mile down from me and then it disappeared. Strange lights in the woods are probably headlamps, not something supernatural. I also noticed I didn't hear any engine, if it is. In fact, someone in a motorized vehicle. I'm mostly confused at this point. Not sure what the hell this light is and where it went. But I continue on and tag the antelope. It takes me 10 to 15 seconds to put the tag on. Then I look up and see the light traveling away from me now. It's about 3 to 5 miles away from me and going at least 100 miles per hour. It was really zooming, way faster than any vehicle could travel over the top of the terrain. Also, there are no roads or anything where the light is traveling. I don't know how it was going so fast. I was pretty spooked at this point. I field dressed the animal as fast as I could and dragged it to my truck. I just had a very uneasy feeling at this point and had no idea what that light was. Creepy cabins in the woods. Sounds like a horror movie in the making. Hollywood taught us to stay away from creepy things like shacks and cabins in the woods. The plot is super familiar. A gaggle of co-eds hiking in the woods during midterm break stumbles upon a creepy cabin. They stop to ask for directions and everyone ends up dead for the reality for really attractive blonde who survives simply for the sequel potential. If there's anything useful Hollywood has taught us, it's to give shuttersome sheds a wide berth. But if you don't have to take Hollywood's word for it, plenty of people have inadvertently stumbled upon backwoods bungalows where somebody was up to some weird shit. This person says, I was once hiking in rural Kentucky. Say no more. When I stumbled upon a cabin, I knock on the door hoping someone there can give me directions back to the closest trail so I can get back to my car. Needless to say, I was lost. When no one answers the door, the hiker does what pretty much everybody would do when they encounter a secluded shack off the trail. 
He looks through the window. I see a very basic cabin. The creepiest thing I noticed was a bed with leather restraints at each corner and a dog leash wrapped around the top of the headboard like someone was leashed to the headboard. Got my ass out of there in a hurry. This dude is obviously more intelligent than every character in every horror flick ever made. Real-life backcountry cabins may not be hideouts for chainsaw butchers, but they seem to be hideaways for lusty bedroom activities. Although not quite the bondage, Bondur, God Bullseye encountered in Backwoods, Kentucky. And a friend discovered another sex shack near their backcountry overnight campsite. We got camp set up and decided to scout the area. It was getting dark, so we started heading back. Following the sound of the river to guide us when we spotted something, a shack. We stop and look at each other and decided we'd better investigate. It is pretty close to where we were sleeping, and this is weird. We got closer and realized it's basically a teepee made from scraps of aluminum and other sheet metal and a tarp. There is an inflated mattress inside the wine and whiskey bottles everywhere. There was also porn and a lot of extremely weird objects that someone normally would not have out camping. This place is a couple of hours from any town and at least a half hour from any road or trail. No vehicles parked anywhere, even remotely close, because we would have seen them on our travels. We came to the conclusion that whoever had been there must have left. They obviously did not want to be found. Then on our way out, I noticed the campfire at this place was still smoldering. We got out of there. We immediately packed up camping and blindly made our way back to the road. Forget that. I've watched enough horror movies to know that we would not want to be wake that we would not want to be waking up that morning to what we could potentially see. Scantily clad witches caught munching on a dead deer carcass in a bizarre security cam footage. A nurse and a nature lover in Canada reportedly captured footage of what she said appeared to be the two witches holding a carcass eating ritual with the camera she set up near her home. I don't know what the heck was up with that. Corinne Stanhope, 36, of Powell River, British Columbia, told Kennedy News. It really freaked us out. It's not something you see every day. After coming across a deer carcass in a garden on their property, Stanhope explained that she set up the camera to surveil any animals that might take interest in the dead deer. Me and my grandpa would set up trail cameras to see if we could see animals. And we got a bobcat on camera, which was pretty cool, she said, but added that her 76-year-old grandfather, Bob, was horrified when he checked the footage and saw what appeared to be scantily clad women chomping down on the carcass at night. I came the next day and Grandpa said, he's got naked people on the camera. And I said, no, you don't. Bullshit. So he showed me, she said. Stan Hope noted to the outlet that the carcass choppers emerged about 10 minutes after sunset looking disheveled like they were wearing wigs. You can't really tell from the photos, but the hoof was brought right up to her mouth, she said. I don't know if she was kissing it, smelling it, or eating it, but to touch a decaying carcass like that makes me feel sick. 
the amount of bacteria that must have been on there. Maybe they were paying their respects, but they were naked, she added. Stanhope noted that she was creeped out because the incident took place just two minutes away from their house on a basic walk. She feared for the safety of her and her horses. I was concerned about them messing with my horses at night, she said. The horses always get really spooked and unnerved around that area. I thought they imagined stuff at first, but I didn't think anything of it. Maybe I'll believe them now. The nurse hoped that the incident was simply a prank or that the participants were on some really good drugs. She decided against contacting the police after her grandfather noted that nothing technically illegal happened. Social media erupted after Stanhope posted the photos and the video, with some claiming that it was just a prank, while others speculated that it was a satanic or darker paranormal element at work. That's basically a walking demon from hell, one user wrote. If you hear screaming, stay inside and get a gun. Leave it alone. Others theorized that the figures were skinwalkers or wendigos, both of which are malevolent supernatural entities associated with Native American folklore. Fantastic. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. That's terrific. World's most haunted forests. In Japan, known as the Sea of Trees, the dense forest at the northwest base of Mount Fuji is one of the eeriest places in the world. It's rumored that large underground iron deposits interfere with compasses, setting walkers forth on the wrong paths. Sadder still, the forest has been the site of more than 500 reported suicides since the 1950s. Locals claim to hear their spirits scream through the night. Black Forest in Germany. The Grimm brothers set many of their fairy tales in this bewitching landscape along the Rhine River in southwestern Germany, which looks just as you'd imagine. So densely forested with fir and pine trees that sunlight rarely pierces through. It makes an ideal playground for mythological creatures like sorcerers, werewolves, witches, and kindred or kind-hearted dwarves. For a more adult tale of hauntings, killings, and dark magic in this forest, 
Turn to the Necromancer, first published in 1794. Wishwood Forest in England. A hand reaching out to touch the shoulder of a solitary person. A horse-drawn cart carrying a couple with two sobbing children. These are the reports out of Wishwood Forest. Once part of a larger royal hunting ground in Oxfordshire. Most compelling is the case of Amy Robsart, the wife of the Earl of Leicester. She mysteriously died of a broken neck, confronted her husband as a ghost while he was hunting in Wishwood, and predicted he would join her in ten days, which he did after falling ill. Anyone who meets her, it is said, will befall a similar and swift fate. Devil's Tramping Ground in North Carolina. Deep in the woods, near Harper's Crossroads, about 10 miles east of Siller City, there's a mysterious 40-foot ring where the devil stomps and circles each night, plotting how to bring about the downfall of mankind. Or so the story goes. Even the North Carolina State Department of Agriculture has supposedly taken samples of the soil and has yet to come up with an explanation for why the patch is devoid of growth. Dal Hill in India. The Victoria Boys School, established in the late 19th century in West Bengal, is rumored to be haunted. Students report ownerless footsteps echoing in the corridors, but the surrounding Dal Hill Forest is an even bigger hotbed of paranormal activity, with woodsmen reporting seeing a headless boy wandering among the trees. Romania has the Hoi Bakue Woods. Hoi Bakue in Transylvania has captured attention of the wrong sort of more than half a century. Residents of nearby towns claim the forest which has a circular clearing at the center, is a portal, and that those who pass through may never return. Anyone who does survive reports feeling anxious and nauseous the whole time they are there. Once said to stand straight and tall, the trees are even twisted into knots now. Island of the Dolls in Mexico the trees of this island near Mexico City are strung with hundreds of dolls. Two creepy horror movie-style effects. The island's only inhabitant, Don Julian Santana, discovered the body of a girl in one of his canals more than 50 years ago. He found a doll floating in the same water and, in tribute, hung it on a tree. The first of thousands of dolls he would string up until 2001 when he drowned in the very same canal. Some believe the dolls, many of which are missing limbs, are evil. Others believe they safeguard the island. Depart from Embarcadero Ferry Terminal for the four-hour round trip to see for yourself. Freetown Fall River State Forest in Massachusetts. Part of the Bridgewater Triangle. This 200-square-mile swath of land is southeastern Massachusetts, is tormented by paranormal activity with layer upon layer of intrigue. The Native Americans who occupied it in the 1600s sold it reluctantly and left behind several burial grounds. 
It was believed to be the site of satanic murders in the 70s and 80s. And it's still the backdrop for odd sightings, UFOs, poltergeists, fireballs. Randolph Forest in Maine, billed as the smallest town in the state. Randolph Forest, flanked by residences, has an outsized reputation among locals for being haunted. Abandoned cars and ripped up railroad tracks that once used to usher veterans to a hospital, now grown over with grass, are the backdrop for reported flashes of light, the appearance of orbs, and strange ambient noises. During the daytime, the woods seem harmless, but we dare you to venture there when night falls. Epping Forest in England. Stretching from East London to Essex, 6,000-acre Epping Forest has been the setting of horrors both real and, well, debatably so. It served as the hideout for outlaw Dick Turpin and cop killer Harry Roberts and has also been the hiding place for murder victims, among those the children targeted by Ronald Jebson, an episode of the British living TV show, attempted to find the ghost of Turpin, but the team ended up lost themselves, perhaps a prank of the elusive spirit. Robinson Woods in Illinois. Alexander Robinson, born Chi-Chi Penquay, and chief of the Potawamas and Ottawa and Chippewa nations, is buried along with his families in these woods. Orbs of light throughout the night and thought to be the spirits of Robinson's family appear both day and night, while during the day groups of deer sometimes circle visitors without apparent reason. Near the graves, people tell of smelling lilacs during the winter. Fifth Wood in England. In the early 19th century, the Greenlaw House, within walking distance of Frith Wood, was converted into barracks for French prisoners captured during the Napoleonic Wars. A woman supposedly fell in love with a prisoner who was beaten to death at that time by her father and brother. She died shortly thereafter, possibly by her own hand. Her ghost returns to the site of her lover's murder. Some say she sobs. Others say she runs frantically through the trees. And then Old House Woods in Virginia. This 50-acre forest near the Chesapeake Bay is a refuge for the ghosts of 18th century British soldiers and pirates who once passed through the nearby historic port town of Matthews and who may have left buried treasure chests in its soft drift. At the center of the woods off Haven Beach Road was a solitary and dilapidated colonial homestead that burned to the ground. Of all the sightings here, perhaps the most intriguing was reported by fishermen on White's Creek in the 19th century, a ship silently plying the creek, continuing on over the beach and disappearing into the woods. Available to order now, my first audiobook, Neil Parks Presents Truly Terrifying Tales, narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and lulu.com. You can also order t-shirts that I designed, 
that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the 9-inch tall 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes available, and last spring my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author, R.L. Walker. I illustrated this book, and it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been dark and scary. To order any of what I just mentioned, you can also go to my email, which is parksparanormal at gmail.com. That is parksparanormal at gmail.com. Standing by. And that looks like a wrap for another week. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, award-winning author Neil Parks. Join me next week for more weird and unheard of stories, fun facts, and strange news. Have a great weekend. Father's Day is Sunday. So if you're a dad, be good to your kids. And if you have lost your father, then please remember them. If you still have a dad and he's getting older, spend more time with him. Thank you for listening. I enjoyed this, and I have many more stories to share. See you next time on Paranormally Speaking.